Hayden Thompson here and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the pack heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place and I'm excited to have you here. G'day and welcome to episode 87 where today I have guest Kyla King who is the owner and operator of Rad Jams. Now located in West Kelowna, BC and founded in 2016, Rad Jams creates incredibly delicious and unique jams, jellies, relishes, pickles and pies. Kyla herself is a Red Seal chef and she has worked her trade from Whistler to Vancouver. She went over the Pacific to Melbourne, Australia where she worked in Vudamon, which is a three-hat restaurant. I've been there before, it's incredible, can't speak highly enough of that place. And then she went on to London, England and she worked at a two Michelin-starred restaurant as well as staging in over 20 Michelin-starred restaurants in total. After traveling abroad, Kyla spent two summers as a sous chef at Mission Hill Winery and two winters as head chef at a Halley Ski Lodge before she started Rad Jams in 2016. So this was another great episode with a highly passionate and talented entrepreneur with lots of nuggets of gold for you all to learn from. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did. Cheers. Kyla, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. Um, you and I first met over the phone uh, when you reached out to Food Packers. You were looking for some wholesale packaging, some two-liter pouches. Uh, we were able to look after you there, and uh, then I met you for the first time at uh, Andrea Gray Grant's uh, trade show a couple of weeks ago, and it was really nice to meet you in person. Yeah, totally. It's so nice to put a face to name here. I know, it is. So listen, I feel as if I've got a really good grip on your background story, but for everybody out there, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Well, I'm from the Okanagan, born and raised in East Kelowna. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like a unicorn out here because most people like come to the Okanagan to live where I'm just like born and raised. But I left when I was um, just outside of culinary school. So I was probably 18 when I left the Okanagan. Growing up here, I felt like it was a really small town and, you know, got to go see the world. And go stuff. explore. So, yeah. Yeah. When I did that, like I went to you know, Vancouver and I lived in Whistler, I even went to Kamloops for a little bit. And then I went to um, Australia and London, England. And after all that traveling, I was just like, man, Cologne is actually a really, really beautiful place to live. So we, I came back on my roots back here and now we're here, here for good. That's awesome. So when you were traveling, I know you were working in a lot of kitchens and um, you had the pleasure of working in quite a few Michelin starred restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. That was my, my goal. Like, um, outside of, yeah, instead of like grade 12 in high school, I did culinary arts instead. So I've always just like, I knew from a very young age that food was always going to be in my life. Like I just had that passion and, and that goal. And so out of culinary school, I just, I really wanted to work in the most fanciest restaurants that I could possibly work in. So, um, getting out of the Kelowna bubble, I go to places like Whistler, I worked at the Fairmont Chateau and um, and then in Vancouver, like I worked at Chin Chin on Robson and it was just yeah. like such a beautiful experience. I loved working there and, um, working in a, in a city like Vancouver, you know, I, I met so many people from around the world and I just kind of fell in love with the idea of traveling myself. So, mm -hmm. um, that, that took me to Melbourne, Australia and 
I worked at a three chef hat restaurant there for Shannon Bennett and at the at Voudemont. Been there. It and is then, stunning up yeah, at the top of the real. So it's such a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was really, it was an awesome experience because um, they threw me in pastry and I had never done pastry before. Um, and I, I was just like, all right, well, I guess if I'm going to work here. I, I got to learn how to make pastry and yep. they taught me and that was really cool. And so, um, yeah, now and I went from, you know, being a chef to party of pasta station to making little macaroons and, you know, lemon curds and jam, of course, and things like that. So that was a really good learning experience. And it was just, yeah, beautiful. But um, they didn't have Michelin star and my goal was to get a Michelin star under yeah. my belt. So yeah. I moved to London, England after Australia and ended up working in a two Michelin um, which is now a three Michelin, Helen DeRose. And that's where I met my now husband, Berto. Yeah. Met, he's from Italy and I brought him back with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then I also worked at um, Cafe Murano, which is a um, Angela Hartnett restaurant. And that was a really nice Italian restaurant. Italian was always my, <laughs> clearly I'm really into yeah. Italians, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And Italian food, cuisine and all that. So. Yeah. And then I got my Michelin experience and came back to the Okanagan. That's awesome. Um, you know, I've read all of Anthony Bourdain's books and I love them and I've worked in restaurants my whole life as well and cafes and, you know, um, I've always been front of house. I pulled a couple of shifts back of house and uh, really, really enjoyed it and always had a lot of respect for all of the chefs and the kitchen workers that I've um, had the pleasure of working with. You know, kitchens can be really unique places. They can be a really stressful environments. They're hot, they're cramped, you know, extreme different personalities, personality clashes. And, you know, Anthony Bourdain just spoke so um, passionately about the kitchen. Uh, what was your experience of working in a kitchen? And, you know, how did you find the different personalities and leadership sort of um, aspects of it? Yeah, I mean, Anthony, Anthony Bourdain, bless him, like really nailed it with Kitchen Confidential. Yeah, like, it's, it's my favorite book. It's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's very much that like I don't know if you've ever read Marco Pure White's biography but like I haven't no. I, that's that's what I did I read his and then I was obsessed with like I don't know it's it's weird like how how you get kind of obsessed with the with the heat and the, mm -hmm. I guess it's like self-torture punishment when you're working yeah. in that kind of environment you walk out but in like, the kitchen every day ready yeah. for a shower it's the best yeah I just uh I wanted <laughs> to follow Marco Pure White like around I because he had like what's called Marco's boys and it was all the all the chefs that he he trained and some of them are like Gordon Ramsay and Shannon Bennett and mm -hmm. Terry B. Stew and Eston Blumenthal to name a few and I wanted to work for as many of Marco's boys as I could because he wasn't you know doing restaurants anymore so I ended up working for Terry and Shannon and by proxy Gordon, I did do, do a couple of stages at some of his restaurants and he trained Angela Hartnett. So I want to say that I worked under Gordon and then there's, I did there's bloodline there for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knocked off my, my list, but yeah, no, the restaurant industry for me was very, um, it was really good for what I want, like what I needed at the time. Mm. And, you know, in your early twenties, you have that like stamina and that passion to do that. And um, yeah, I loved like just getting my ass kicked in the kitchen and, you know, buckets of sweat and tears and blood going into and burns and all of that going into your, yeah. your 
daily life. And I was the only female in the kitchen for almost every restaurant I worked at. So that was another hard part of my job as well. And I guess just at the end of the day, like, um, I, I got pretty tired. I got pretty burnt out in my later twenties and I got pretty tired of the physical and the mental abuse and, you know, the lack of pay and stuff. So that's kind of why I made the transition to what I'm doing now, but I wanted to keep, I wanted to keep food in my life. So that's kind of where rad jams came about. Um, but I didn't want, I didn't want to do the restaurant industry anymore. I'd, I'd had enough of it at that point, but it was, it was amazing for, for as long as I was in it, you know? Yeah. It has a shelf life. Um, I know that (laughs) if I got burnt out from the industry as well, I, I was managing a cafe in Melbourne, um, which I loved. It was a great experience. It was called Axel Coffee Roasters. And I was fortunate enough to manage. Oh, yeah. Do you know the one? Yeah, I was fortunate yeah. enough to have managed their cafe um, in Hawthorne, which is where the roastery was, their HQ mm-hmm. at the time. And it's grown and expanded rapidly since I left in 2015. Um, it's been really nice to keep tabs on them, actually. Um, but yeah, listen, and it was an amazing experience. But yeah, the days were huge. And it is so physically and emotionally demanding and especially leading a team as well. And it, mm-hmm. I did make the conscious decision to stay step back from front of house work as well. And, um, and I've enjoyed the transition into sales, whether it was, you know, at Salt Spring Coffee um, as their food service sales manager, or now here at Food Pack, I really do enjoy it because I've got my weekends back. And now that I've got a family, yeah. that's, that's much better too. But there are times when I really miss it. Like I really miss, you know, the long shifts. I miss the um, camaraderie, the camaraderie of working with the team. I also miss mm-hmm. working behind a coffee machine. So yeah. Do you ever miss being on the knives as well? No. No, <laughs> I find that I get a lot new. <laughs> I, I really enjoy cooking, um, for yeah. my family yeah. and for my friends and things like that. Yeah. And I have a lot of camaraderie with like my coworker. Like I, I have a good team behind me right now at Rajam. So, you know, we get those long kitchen days still I bet. I <laughs> in, bet. in our kitchen for sure. Like even during harvest and stuff like that. But, you know, I get to have dinner with my husband every night and I get to like yeah. wind down in front of the tv or whatever we're doing like last night we just had an impromptu date night like we just went out for dinner and it was just you know that wasn't something that we ever ever got to do like even just like watching a tv show together at the same time is like you know so I don't miss that at all I love having life I love having weekends and I set really firm boundaries with my with my job now that I that I don't do that anymore I have my weekends and I have my evenings and I enjoy my life. I don't miss that at all. That's great. It's really good. It took a while, like, like everybody, you know, it takes a while to sort of filter out exactly what's important. And yeah, I, I found myself in the same place of, you know, understanding exactly what I wanted in my career. And I'm glad Mm -hmm. of sort of where I, where I ended up. And it's great to see that you've ended up in a really nice place too. But, um, you know, Rad Jams is obviously a huge part of your life right now and, you know, taking up a lot of brain power. And I'd love to sort of get started right from the start. So what sort of sparked the idea of Rad Jams? Um, it's funny. I got like this cookbook when I was working at Mission Hill. They give you, um, I was a sous chef there for a couple of years. They give you uh, like a wine card or whatever to use in their shop. And they had this really pretty jam book. I think I have it right here actually and I bought this book with my with awesome. my um gift card and I was just looking through the recipes and I'm like these jams look so nice and you know I grew up 
preserving with my mom and my dad and our pantry was always full of always full of preserves and um canning was just something that like I've done since I was a small small kid and I freaking love jam so I just started making jam on my you know time off at Mission Hill my days off whatever and I found like I was making so much jam I was like I'm never gonna eat all this jam what am I gonna do and we had a we had a little Tuesday farmer's market in Summerland, the town I was living in. Maybe we should, you know, try try and sell some of this jam. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much like how how it started. We just had an abundance of jam, and I wanted to try try selling some to see if other people would like it. And from there, Albie and I just kind of got hooked on the sale and like having a little side hustle. It was, yeah, it was nice and. Um, literally I just got addicted to the sale and I just wanted to keep, keep pushing and keep growing it and see how much farther I could take it and see like maybe some wineries will like to sell this jam, maybe some fruit stands would like to sell my jam. And then I just kept getting more and more clients and I just focused on jam more and more. And then all of a sudden it wasn't my side hustle anymore. It was my full-time hustle. And now it's just (laughs) An incorporate company with a whole bunch of staff and, and retailers all over Canada, <laughs> Alberta, and Cisco and food service. Like, Amazing. So yeah. you've obviously done something right. At what point did you go, hang on, I'm getting really good feedback from the people that I'm selling this to. Like they're loving this jam. You know, when was sort of the idea validated and you're like, this actually has some legs to it? Um, was there a flip moment where mm. I was like, oh, I got I got to keep going with this. No, yeah, not really. No. I just knew, I, I just knew that what I had was a good product and I really believed in my product and yeah. I just could see from like the sales and the projection that like other people liked it too. And I just wanted to keep, and being a chef, like I just wanted to keep experimenting with the flavors and, and I did, I, I came up with so many different flavor combinations before I like I have my seven flavors now. That's yeah, it, like, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Like your flavors are yeah. really unique. And um, and I can attest to the fact that they're absolutely delicious because I was fortunate enough to have got a sample pack when I was at the trade show. But yeah, yeah. like toasted coconut apricot, peachy caramel spread, blueberry vanilla spread. I loved that one. The blueberry vanilla was my favorite. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I guess really unique flavors. They're not overly sweet either, which I found no. to be really refreshing. And um. Yeah. So tell me, like, I would, I'd love to hear a little bit about sort of the development of the different flavors that you have um, landed on and sort of your execution on, you know, developing new flavors. Yeah. Well, I, I just, I had that option at the Tuesday market in Summerland to just like keep developing flavors. And I guess the farmer's market was probably the best, best place to product test for us. Mm -hmm. And I, will always love and appreciate the farmer's market for that. Yeah. So yeah, I would just come up with a new flavor, a new idea all the time. And then, you know, costing came to be a big factor of it as well. When I kind of learned the numbers of, you know, what certain things were, were going like, you know, strawberry jam was such a good seller, but strawberry on its own is very expensive mm. because of the low sugar content that we use. Like I cut it with rhubarb and obviously strawberry rhubarb is like such a killer combo so Mm -hmm. that's our that's our jam strawberry rhubarb and then um yeah some of the flavor like I really really liked our I did a I called it blue biscuit and it was um blueberry with scotch so like um 
it was like kind of like, and I used a really peaty scotch from Islay. So it was like a really um, smoky blueberry mm-hmm. kind of jam, but like I couldn't afford to buy a bottle of scotch for every batch of jam I made. So I that, and yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So that one didn't quite make the cut. And, but yeah, I just, and then, you know, I, I found this old plum jam the other day, like a, a jar that, uh, was hiding in the back and it was like plum with nasturtium and marigold. And it was my plum flower jam. And it's like, Oh yeah. But it just plums just were not a seller and it sucks because um, we have such an abundance of plums and mm-hmm. in the Okanagan. And I tried very hard to make plum, plum jam a thing, but just wasn't a seller. And then some of the ones that I really, really liked and a lot of people really, really liked too. I just, you know, can't get that fruit to go commercial with it. Like quince or quince. I did like a pumpkin spice kind of quince chutney for the fall and, mm-hmm. or a quince butter. I can't remember one of the, I think I actually did both. And then, uh, but yeah, I just can't get enough quince to, you know, <laughs> feed the masses. So yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a fast weather. Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends on like, it, it really depended on the cost and like, could I get that amount of fruit in volume for to last a whole year and yeah. that's where I came up with our seven flavors yeah very good you probably... yeah lots of testing at the farmer's markets I can imagine <laughs> and you're probably living in the best location in the world to be a, a jam maker <laughs> like the access to <laughs> yeah. the fruits that you've got would be incredible so are you working with a lot of um, local guys a lot of um, local producers absolutely every yeah. single um, like berry or or stone fruit that goes into the production and vegetable as well grown in British Columbia, but all of my producers are from the Okanagan. Like when I say that I get all my berries from Gaskin farms, which is in um, Kelowna, but they, their grower, their growers are very hill. So out closer to your, your area. And then um, like peaches, I get all my peaches from Dave at Friendly Farmer Grumpy Waves Fruit Stand um, up in East Kelowna. And then I get all my red peppers for my red pepper jelly from Nancy at East Kelowna Market. Like I have all my my close farmers that, you know, oh, and then Painter's Fruit Market is such an abundance for us. Like they're four minutes drive up the road from our facility. They planted like two rows like I just asked them you know and they plant two rows of of zucchini for us which is going to give us 10,000 pounds of zucchini this year um two rows of cucumbers for our pickles um all the tree fruit we can possibly imagine like if we need Mm -hmm. hey Janae I need 10,000 pounds of apricot she's like okay well we don't have that but I got some down south so I'll get it ordered for you you know like it's the the farming network community I have is has is just incredible yeah like I I had a rhubarb farmer for example he was oh miss like shout out to Thor he passed away during COVID um and he was just such a gem he owned this place called Viking Farms and he was a true Viking um and he would just, he was just a sweet old man. And I'd bring him pies and company and just hang out with him. And he would just let me pick as much rhubarb as I needed. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just take it, whatever, you know, it was. So yeah, I, I just love my farmers and I, I love being able to use all local produce and yeah. stuff that they couldn't sell and, you know, just using it up. So nothing goes to waste. Like they even said, man, you know, 
before you started making relish, we were just throwing away truckloads of zucchini and now we'll never throw away a zucchini ever again. Like it's amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And so the extension of the line out into the relish world, I noticed was something relatively new and you were using a recipe by Peggy Millsap, who is a Metis elder and she's 91 years old. So I'd love to get the story behind that. Yeah. So, um, my friend Garrett approached me a couple of years ago, back when I was still doing lots of farmer's markets. Um, and my friend Nancy, who does the, <clears throat> does the peppers, she had a, like a way over crop of zucchini and she's like, Oh, look, can you do something with this? And my friend Garrett was like, I got this zucchini recipe from my grandma. And, um, I, he, he's like obsessed with the zucchini. Every time I would go over to his house, he'd be like, try this on my phone. Like just out of the, out of the jar. Like whenever <laughs> I go over to his house, he'd open a jar of something that grandma Peggy made and like yeah. make me try it. And I was like, yeah, this is really good. Garrett. Like I have way too much zucchini right now. Like can, can I have the recipe or whatever? And just like, yeah, yeah, I got really excited about it. And so, <laughs> yeah, I made the, I made the old fashioned, we call it old fashioned peg zucchini relish and marketed that at the farmer's market that year. I think it was 2019. And uh, the feedback I got from that relish, like, I was like, okay, I can't stop making this relish now. Like, I had people from Alberta calling me in the middle of winter being like, can you ship me a case of this relish? And I'm just, <laughs> that was just like a like yeah but it was just like at the time it was just like a temporary label kind of thing like Mm -hmm. just let's see how this goes and and uh yeah people like the feedback was just so astronomical that I was like all right Garrett like let's do this so we gotta we gotta and he was really on board with because he's he's in sales that's his his job so I ended up making a separate company um Rad Relish Co apart from Rad Gems and we um, co-own it. So it's it's his grandma Peggy's recipe. And then she helped us come out with the two new, well, the spicy version. She used serrano peppers for that. So Nancy grew a bunch of serrano peppers and was like, here you go. And, you know, so we have our spicy version now. And, and then I um, developed the smoked version, which is bangerang. It is so good. So now we have three skews on the relish and yeah, it's, it's like, I can't keep up. Like neither can Janae. She can't grow zucchini fast enough. It's awesome. What a problem. <laughs> yeah, and totally. So the smoky Especially skew. Especially with the weather we've had this year. Ugh. I know, I know. It's been nasty, hasn't it? Which um, summer I feel is just starting to kick off here in Vancouver. What's it been like in the Okanagan? Has it been wet oh, as well? It, yesterday I was like, it's like Vancouver here. It's just yeah. floods and rain and yeah, nothing is growing. I'm just, it's been... I think everything is going to be up at the exact same time and yeah. we are going to be in the shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I'm going to need a whole fleet of staff to help produce it all, but Damn. we'll figure it out. What's the shelf life on your product? Uh, two years for the jellies and relish. And then our spreads are one year, Damn, that's but we great. Um, yeah. cook it to order. So yeah. we freeze all of the fruit and vegetables yes. that we process and then cook it as needed so that when it hits the shelf, it has the longest possible shelf life. Yeah. Yeah. Are you working yeah. out of facilities that you built or are you in a co-working space or what's that look like? Yeah. We have our own facility, uh, that we built. It's actually <laughs> in our house. Um, so the bottom half of our house is rad jams and yeah. then we live upstairs, but we did that two years ago and we've already outgrown it, um, like way too fast. So yeah. 
we actually just yesterday um finalized a lease hey. uh, for a commercial space congratulations thank you and it's only like four four minutes drive away which is awesome so you're gonna get your house back. um <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get my house back which is just the best i can't yeah. wait um because yeah. yeah it's yeah it's it's hard to make make those boundaries when you live here and especially when you have like a bunch of staff showing up and yep. maybe I wanted to sleep in that day, but I got to wake up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And and some separation, yeah. like some separation from totally. work too. Yeah. It'd be hard yeah. to not work on the weekends. No wonder you make such an effort to sort of like have to switch off from it. I can imagine it yeah. would be difficult. Yeah. But no, it'll be really exciting. We're opening like a storefront. So I can't wait for that too. Like that's just, yeah. And we're doing it together with our berry farmer. So we'll have all Gaskin farm, berries for sale as well as our all of our jams and relish and maybe some merch it'll be good awesome well congratulations yeah. again that's really Thank exciting you. so what's the timeline looking like well we take possession august 1st mm -hmm. and then hopefully um everything goes according to plan we have 90 days fixturing period and we'll yep. be opening in november and since it's so close to christmas we were thinking about throwing like a nice grand opening with um a few vendors and maybe some mulled wine, some hot dogs and relish. Ah, you know, that'd be great. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. A little party. Very good. Well, yeah. a lot to do between now and then though. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, so In the to middle of harvest. It'll yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah, of course. Couldn't be better. Yeah. So it sounds like you've done quite a bit of scaling over some time. So in terms of production and, you know, the batch sizes and, you know, the impact that that's had on your recipes, like how did you go sort of like nutting all of that out? Math. How do I yeah I guess. yeah <laughs> yeah but was it like was it were there challenges there because i know that like for example i was i can't remember who i was talking to and she was saying that you know having a recipe that is like a family recipe like the um like the relish one for example is typically like for relatively small batches compared to you know a yeah. business size batch so are you making lots of smaller batches or did you scale it up no yeah we we i can't yeah no we yeah i just take like the the cups yeah. or the teaspoons or whatever and yeah. then i'll weigh yeah. each of yeah. what a cup of onions weighs and then yes. i'll just times it by however much i need to fill a kettle it's literally just like an extrapolation just stretching it out yeah oh great yeah well that's not hard no it's just math <laughs> yeah it's just math cool yeah um, no when i first started it was definitely pots and then i didn't yeah. know like I didn't know that you could make these big batches of jam when I first started. Yeah. I was making like three cases at a time. And that was heaps for me, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Then I met um, my good friend Heather Bottoms from Hellish Relish. And she was a really big mentor for me um, scaling up for sure. Like she she um, brought me over to her facility and, she, and I rented her facility for a little while. And she's like, this is how you use a kettle. This is how you use a filler. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is how you go from pots to, you know, production. And uh, yeah, so that was really awesome meeting her and connecting with her that's over great. the years. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine having somebody that's done it before is like so valuable. Um, with the totally. new kitchen that you're building, are you um, are you going to like bring some automation into the system or are you just going to keep on employing some locals to help out in that space too? We, um, I think we automate enough, like as much as we yeah. have. Yeah. So we do you know the big steam jacket kettle batches yep. and then we have the automated filler um i'm still hand uh litting at the moment because yep. i don't trust the <laughs> the automated litters okay um 
But that said, like soon that's going to change into flexible packaging anyways, which we can get into. Yeah. I'd love um, to. Yeah. So I think that'll be like the most um, automated thing that we, we really need to do Yeah. once it's, once it's in um, food service or uh, sorry, flexible packaging and shelf like ready boxes. Then yeah. The automated like labeler was the last thing that we brought in. And <laughs> thank God for that thing. We were like six minutes a case to hand label wow. so one minute a case like just yeah the automation it it really make make or breaks your business for yeah. sure yeah yeah lab cost is a serious thing um yeah so i know it's exciting to hear that you're working with mikhail here who is a colleague of mine on the um the spout pouch project and uh you were saying before that you know you're really excited because you haven't seen anybody else on the retail shelf uh packaging up their gem in some flexible packaging so this is somewhat of an innovative sort of move for you yeah, excited slash nervous. I mean, it's <laughs> we're definitely going to be the first um, that I have seen jam and relish uh, in flexible packaging on on grocery shelves. Um, it's gone really, really well for our food service two liter bags. Um, it's in such a convenient pouch with the handle and the pour yep. spout that um, the service staff seem to absolutely love it. And I got some some samples of like the 250 mil size bags from Michaela mm. and filled them with jam and just tried them out in my fridge. And you don't think about it, but like every time you eat jam, you're always eating it with something like your, you know, your, your toast and you put your peanut butter on your toast and then you take that peanut butter knife and you lick it and then you put it in the jam <laughs> jar and then, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Or for yeah. me, it's yogurt. I, I do a scoop of yogurt and then I do a scoop of jam and then I put my granola on top, wow. but every time you eat jam, it's usually with something else like butter or whatever. And with these pour spouts, you're just like pouring that instead of, you know, dirtying up the inside of your jam jar with another utensil. Yeah. And it's just the convenience factor for, for the consumer's aspect. And then in, in our aspects, like it's just saving us so much in so many ways. Like, like we, we said, like in, in warehousing, in in shipping in labor and labeling like it's just going to be very very convenient to, to to make that switch for our company and for our carbon footprint as well so um i'm hoping i'm hoping we get a cool enough design that um people won't even care that it's not in a jar and they'll want to oh what's that and, you know go for it and uh yeah, hopefully be a really good switch. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Like it said, it makes so many like it makes so much sense on so many fronts. Um, you know, whether it's a cost benefit for you, which it will be in terms of like space saving and the carbon emissions, the reduction in carbon emissions, like it, it, flexible packaging always comes out a clear winner. You're going to have less breakages out in the world when you're shipping your product across the country with your distributors as um, too, which will be really nice. And I think mm -hmm. that um, it will be interesting to see what the consumer's feedback will be. And, you know, design does mean everything like the brand that you've built is beautiful. And I wanted to um, actually... Um, go into a little bit of detail on your design because it's a really unique brand that you've built around the product too. And uh, yeah, I was, um, I've been tapping on Kale's desk every couple of weeks going, have you got our artwork yet? I'm really excited to see what the artworks are going to look like on these yeah. pouches. <laughs> yeah. It's coming. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's always a, uh, a long process, but it kind of needs to be to ensure that it's everything mm -hmm. that you want it to be. So yeah, looking forward to it when it comes in. Because we can't have the um, window, uh, we need like, we need it to be aluminum and we yeah, can't have the window. Yeah. We're trying to do some 
we're doing some really close up shots of the actual jam yeah. so that it looks like a window. And in, you know how on our logo we have like the jam splash. The splat, yeah. It's yeah. going to be like the actual jam oh, cool. of the splash. And I think that'll be a really cool design. I'm looking forward to seeing it too. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Very good. And how many SKUs yeah. are you going to launch with? So I'm going to do are five spreads, mm -hmm. the two jellies, and then I'm coming out with three new just jam flavors, which is going to be something totally outside of what we've ever done because it's the full sugar jam and it's nothing unique. It's just Okanagan or BC grown fruit, but still a really delicious craft jam. Like we're doing a triple berry, a peach, and I can't remember the third, but yeah. we're, yeah, we're launching uh, three just jams, so that'll be 10 SKUs from the Rad Jam side. And then yep. we'll have our three uh, relish SKUs as well. Yep. Very good. Yeah. I'm excited to see that all roll out. Um, now, the brand that you've built, it's a really cool brand. And actually, whenever Thanks. I get on the phone and I have a chat with somebody, the first thing that I do is I check out their website. And when I saw your brand, I'm like, oh, I bet you that's got a, like an ounce of Kyla in there. Like, I bet you that's the kind of person that you are with a skateboard. And um, yeah, tell oh, us I a wish. little yeah, no? <laughs> <I'm such laughs> <Okay. a klutz. laughs> Tell us all about it because I was like, this is a really unique brand built around a jam product. Yeah. So I got to give a huge props to my, um, to my graphic designer slash marketer, um, Micah, who really created our brand and our branding. Um, did I say his name already? Micah from Micah, Crafting yep. Compass. Crafting Compass is his design company. And yeah, he just, cause I'm a nineties kid. Like I was born in 87 and I grew up with like, you know, Super Nintendo and awesome tubular, like neon everything. So that's <laughs> yeah, kind of where, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where rad came from. And Micah's um, similar. He's, he's an eighties kid. So he really got it. He's like, yeah, that branding, the, the skateboard, the, you know, the real cool, like, I don't know if you've ever seen some of our commercials, but that that's a lot of his, his vision of our brand is to just like roll up on a skateboard or a BMX and like, throw out some really awesome rad jam to your picnic and you know it's just yeah you, we just want to be like kind yeah. of the cool kids reinventing jam like yep. you know making making jam great again <laughs> well you're doing like it. before yeah before rad jams like it's you know just boring smuckers jam or i sorry i don't mean to bash you i know what you're saying like it's that's, just a commercial that's what we are. Like, yeah, yeah commercial regular yeah regular old jam and people are like jam. I don't really eat jam. I'm not really a jam person or like we get that a lot with relish too. Cause you're just used to like that green, like Bix or whatever relish. And yeah. 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 And people just already have it in their mind. Like I don't like relish and it's like, well, try it. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. ours has a ton of flavor, like so many different spices go into that relish and like it takes probably, I don't it takes forever to make a batch. Let's just put it that way. And like, with all that time that it takes to put a bat in a batch, it's because we love our products. We wouldn't be making these products if we didn't love them. Like you could taste the love in every single jar. Like I haven't had anyone try my jam or relish and be like, this sucks. You know, <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's good stuff. So we're trying yeah. to like with our branding, make, make people attracted to it in that way, just so we can get it in their mouths. 
I know once we get in people's mouths, they, they'll be a forever customer. Yeah. Understood. And I guess that was sort of the secret to starting at the farmer's market too. Like you were able to sort of really get the word out and get the product in people's mouths right from the start. And it sort of cottoned on. And obviously you and I, when we did meet at the, um, at the, from the ground up trade show, um, I was able to taste your product there and you were also fortunate enough to have won bronze for outstanding yeah. product of the year. So congratulations for that. That was such a trip. Totally. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. I, uh, Charlie and Garrett, my, my two um, partners, they, they were like, we're gonna, we're totally gonna place. And I was just like, shut up. Like there's so many amazing vendors at that trade show. I was like, there's yep. no way we're gonna like even place for crazy. And we did. And I was just, what? Okay. Amazing. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> I was blown away. Thank yeah. you. And how did you find the trade show? Was it, you had some good conversations with some buyers. It was a pretty focused event. It was awesome. I mean, yeah, it was, I, we, they voted us third. So yeah. <laughs> all the buyers just, yeah. yeah, all the buyers really wanted to talk to us and learn more about our products. And, um, we've met, we made so many amazing contacts and it was yeah. definitely, definitely worth our time going. And, and not only that, like we're used to the, um, Kelowna, you know, farmer's market or market scene. And, you know, we know all of our local vendors, but I, I didn't know any of the the people that maybe there was like one or two that I had known from the Okanagan, but yeah. it was just, it's like the best part about doing a trade show is meeting all, all the local um, vendors mm-hmm. more so than, you know, like more so than the customers or even like the, the shoppers. It's just nice to get that community. I'm part of like the, the small scale food processors association and now mm-hmm. the um, BC food and beverage. And it's just so nice to have that community of, of of small producers behind you to to chat with and i don't know i think that was my favorite takeaway from that trade show yeah <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. definitely made a lot of really good contacts yeah that's great um at what point did you um decide to join the associations um well we we won our bc food and beverage i didn't even really know about it until after the trade show so oh, I, right. i'm really i feel really fortunate for for getting in on that yeah and then the small scale uh, Heather Bottoms turned me on to it a couple of years ago and it's just like been such a great resource tool tool for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people um, don't understand the value of being associated with the um, or working with an association in your channel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had lots of conversations um, on the podcast with people that are um, members or even of the CHFA, like, you know, those kind of trade shows and the value that it can bring, not only in terms of like the network that you're um, becoming a part of, but they've typically got resources you mentioned too, that are just so invaluable. And um, mm-hmm. I've said it a few times right now, but I think that, you know, when I was growing up, I grew up in my mum and dad's business from the age of 12. I started in the dish pit and worked my way up onto the grill and I was working out the front uh, pretty soon after that and really, really enjoyed it. And I saw my parents working together and, you know, husband and wife working their ass off in a hot kitchen, um, the stress of hospitality. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that they that they lacked in their business was a network of people around them to help support them, whether it was mm-hmm. a trade association or being a part of, you know, I guess back in the nineties, there was no LinkedIn. There was no sort of like availability to connect with, you know, people that live in your world too. So, yeah, you know, neighbors, there's really. so much value in it. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I love it. Like, yeah, if, if somebody has an abundance of something, they're like, hey, you want like just so many, so yeah. many things. Like I can't even get into it because it's just such a vast, you know, like all like we got a few grants 
during the, oh, during cool. the pandemic. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't have known about them if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, association kind of thing. So yeah, yeah it's just, it's a great tool. How did you find the grant writing process? Uh, ooh. <laughs> it was a lot yeah, yeah. They all remember, there was one i applied for yeah there's one i applied for it took me like a month i swear to god i was like on the computer probably 20 to 40 hours a week even yeah. for like a whole month and i didn't get it and it was just like ah, oh, like <laughs> you know so you know he's, but if i didn't put it in yeah. like maybe i could have got it i yeah. know um a local lady in uh, a local vendor and the Okanagan did get it. It wasn't going out to a lot of people. So I'm yeah. really glad that somebody around here got it. And yeah. what she's doing with it is pretty cool. She just opened her, her kombucha tasting room and oh, cool. can't wait to try it out. Yeah. yeah I bet. <laughs> um, do you find a lot of um, little producers popping up here and there, or is it sort of um, an established market where you are and in Kelowna? Oh, there's always somebody new. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It just, you know, it depends on, on whether or not they stick around. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like everyone's got an idea, but it's a matter of, of how long they're willing to, how much, you know, sweat equity and Some blood, sweat and that. tears are, they're willing to put into it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, um, what year did you found it, the business? What year did you actually launch? Um, well, I started the Summerland market in 2016. 2016. So it's about six years now. Yeah. yeah. So if June. That's going, I'm sure very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you were to go back to 2016 with the knowledge that you have now, what business advice would you give yourself? Um, you know, people ask me that and I just love the way that Rad Jams has kind of transitioned organically. Yeah. Like every step of the way, it's been a learning process of, mm -hmm. you know, some some new regulation or some new this coming out or, you know, stuff I didn't know had had to do like nutritional facts table what's that how do yeah. i get that on my label like that back from like you know 2016 kyla to now yeah. but i guess um i just like that it, it was a very slow process i really like my journey my journey was all me like i bootstrapped it all on my own i've never had an investor i've just I just kept putting more money and more money. Every sale I made, I put it right back into the business and I've never been in the red and I've just, you know, I I've been doing it slow and steady and it, I feel like it's winning the race and I'm just proud of what we've accomplished, you know? So good for you. I That's guess the awesome. best advice I would give myself is just trust your gut and, yep. and, and, you know, just trust your gut. Cause I think I got a pretty Funny good how one. There's truth to that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, I can reflect back on decisions that I've made and, or, you know, things that have occurred and I'm like, I actually knew that was going to occur right from the moment that I knew about it. Like I should have totally. listened to myself. I should have listened to myself. That's good advice. If we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, what would you have accomplished? Oh man. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I I forgot you put that question in there. I didn't even think about it. I think it's a good one. You know, you're yeah, about to, you've just signed the lease over the next couple of months. You're going to be building a kitchen and a, you know, a yeah. new facility, which is really exciting. And then you're going to get it operational. And then before you know it, it's going to be July. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of putting this year into like, this is a true startup year for us. Like yep. we've done many years of, of, just making it work with what we have. Um, hence why I've never been in the red, but 
this, like, this is going to be a huge investment for us. Um, mm. So I'm calling it a startup year. So I think like once we're like good kitchen bills paid off, we have, we have hit more provinces than, you know, British Columbia, Alberta. Maybe we've gone into Saskatchewan, and Manitoba a little bit. Maybe we've say we've gone Canada wide. That would be incredible. Yeah. Um, and all of our expenses are paid off and I have employees that I can, you know, afford to pay and, and I'm keeping the local economy going. That would be, that would be ideal. I don't think it's too much to ask for. I think you can yeah, do it. We'll get Absolutely. there. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Will. Very good. Totally. Well, listen, you've got an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us all today. And um, if anybody wanted to get in touch, what's the best way to go about it? Oh, well, you can check out our website at radjams.com or we're on Instagram at radjams or Facebook at radjams with a Z. Perfect. I'll put all of that down in the show notes. Um, Listen, congratulations again on your um, continued success. And I really look forward to seeing your packaging when it comes in. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Thanks, Hayden. No worries, Kyla. Take care. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thanks again for taking the time out of your busy day to join me for today's episode. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation or if you've got any questions, feel free to shoot me an email at hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn or Instagram at thepackheavypodcast. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about how I can help you with your business and your packaging vision, feel free to drop me a line and we'll continue the conversation there too. I'll see you next week.